scripture today. It was really interesting. Um, as Rick spoke yesterday, I, was, I knew that one of us was going to have to speak, either Tulia or I. It's always fun speaking on uh, Women's Encounter Weekends because I'm always, it's always crazy hectic. So it just keeps me, yeah, it just keeps me busy just thinking, you know, definitely have no time to miss Leah because I'm like driving kids everywhere and, and, uh, and preparing at the same time. But so it's, it's even funner when the Lord kind of, I've been preparing kind of all week, you know, for kind of the same topic that I'm speaking on, but all of a sudden the Lord just switched the whole thing yesterday to a whole different, same, very similar uh, line of thinking, but di- wait, different. Because I, I had my notes, I had some notes and some things, so we'll get to that maybe another week, but it'll, it'll be basically the same thing. But it's really interesting. Last week, Rick kind of just gave a really important message, I think, for our body. So if you didn't catch it, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go to the website and walk, listen to the podcast. And he was, he was talking about overcoming the drift. And um, a lot of that comes from the scripture that's on your... Can I have a sheet, by the way? Sorry, I didn't get one. I didn't get my own notes here. So. There we go. Um, it's on your uh, thing that... Uh, really that um, Hebrews 2.1. For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard so that we do not, what, drift away from it. He was just talking about how he had really lived kind of the past, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years in a, in a realm of where he uh, really hadn't had any gold. He hadn't, he kind of lived his life uh, before that kind of a lot of goal-driven, like, I mean, he just really had goals set aside, especially went through uh, seminary and went through uh, business and went early in business, but Somehow the last five or so years, he just kind of had drifted away from that. And so it was a really good message. I just encourage you to go, go listen to it. It's a really good message. And, and it, it, really, it really comes back to that place of the Lord just spoke to my heart. Well, man, have you ever, have you ever been out in the ocean? Uh, you know, we go to Myrtle Beach every year. And, and we always, you know, we go to the same place every time. We go out to the same street. We go straight down the road. We have to walk down the road and we get to the ocean, we go right out there. But what happens when you get out in the ocean? Do you stay right there? I mean, the only time I, I, I mean, I've never just stayed right there. You know, we end up drifting down. I mean, it's amazing how like all of a sudden 10 minutes later, you're like, where am I at and where did I go? When you hit the pier, you know that we, when we hit the pier, we know that we should probably walk back up. And, or maybe you've been out in a lake and, and out fishing. Some of you like to fish. Few people like to fish, right? Uh, and you haven't set anchor. Well, even in a pretty dead lake, what are you going to do? You're going to drift. You're going to you're going to be somewhere where you didn't start. Um, I always think about that, even in my own mind. Have you ever done this? I like, especially since I've been working on the blue house. Uh, I have. I, we have another the house that we just moved from. We rented out for about six or seven months, and the renters moved out on us. And but so I've been getting it ready to rent or really, really, really hoping to sell. A little commercial if anybody needs a house, you know, just come see me. <laughs> Pretty big. Uh, no, I, won't, I won't go through all that. 2,400 square feet. No. <laughs> Five bedrooms, three, two and a half baths. No. But if you're looking for that, you just come find me. But anyway, I've been working on that. And a lot of times, like, you know, I've basically had to paint the whole thing uh, top to bottom. And you ever catch, caught yourself like, you know, I, especially when I, it's my day off, so I'm over here painting, I'm thinking, man, I have all this time I'm going to paint. I am just going to focus on the Lord. I'm just going to set my heart to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to have like two or three hours just of sweet prayer time while I'm painting. 
You know, I prayed for about five minutes, and then like two hours later, I remembered, oh, shoot, I remembered two hours ago, I was supposed to be praying for all this time, and somehow my mind drifted. Now I'm on like next week what I'm eating for lunch on Tuesday. You know, you're like, you're like where, where did I go? Like, where am I, what am I doing there? And when I set my heart and my intention to be somewhere else, you know, it's called that drift. You know, it's, it's what we do. And so, and, you know, I was thinking about, you know, there's, it's definitely one thing to overcome, and that's what he was talking about last night. But I don't know about you guys, but I don't, the drift, usually you don't realize it's happening. Right? Right? I mean, that's the only reason you drift somewhere is all of a sudden you wake up and go, how in the world did I get where I'm at? What am, what am I doing here? You know, it, so the reality is I think that just as important is to recognize the drift, right? Recognize when I am moving and not anchored in to, uh, to the Lord. You know, how am I going to do that? And so, so the Lord really just uh, took me out. I want to read these three scriptures because these are key scriptures in that. And then we're going to look. The Lord just told me in the midst of us, I was studying. I had like five points ready to go. I was like, awesome. I was feeling pretty decent about it. And, and all of a sudden he's like, Mitch, you really should be thinking about kings. Because there was... I mean, I don't know if you've gone through and studied the kingship of uh, Israel and Judah, but there's not many that really did right in the sight of the Lord. There's a lot that did evil in the sight of the Lord. And if you, if you tag them all, there's probably about 40, 40-ish kings. I think I was looking on a chart. 40-ish kings, only about 10 did right in the sight of the Lord. I mean, this is the children of God. These are the people of God, only about 10. And out of that 10 that started out, they, were, they started out doing right in the sight of the Lord. And we're going to look at where they ended. Because there's, it's not uh, kind of like the title. It's not so much where you start. It's very good to start well. You need to do that. But my main concern is that some of us won't finish. Or some of us won't finish well. And that's including me. Because it was interesting, Rick had come to us because he got, you know, he's doing this demon he's getting a demon which is the funniest thing i think in the world as rick much you know a doctor of ministry so so we've been teasing him like you're you're getting a demon what because <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all he was about is getting rid of him now he's taking one on yeah but it's a doctor of ministry he's getting a doctor of ministry uh and really just in the area of leadership you really i mean if you feel like you know don't think that he wants to really go gain a whole lot more knowledge he really I encourage you pray for him in this endeavor because I really believe God's going to establish some really cool aspects of leadership. But he's getting it in relationship to leadership. And uh, so he's taking all these classes so you can just see, especially when he comes into meetings, you can just see his mind churning, shit and chucking all that stuff out. And one of the things was is like, you know, value-driven leadership. You know, are you driven by values or are you driven by goals or some things or are you just kind of out there floating? Because we talked about last week, if you're going to go climb Mount Everest and you think that you're going to just kind of happen by and get to Mount Everest, if you just think you're going to like, oh, yeah, I think I'll just go climb Mount Everest today. If you think you're going to do that, you're going to be wildly mistaken. Anybody seen that? I haven't seen Everest. Is it, is it good? No. <laughs> so, so if you want to think about the fact, why is it not, why is it not good? Because you start realizing it's a dangerous place. To get to the Mount Everest, and but it's a it's a place that for some people they're called to do that. I think we're all called 
to go up to the mountain of the kingdom of God, like this mountain of God, this mountain that we're called to. Each one of us, different spheres, different, it'll look a little different for each one, but we're all called to that. But if you think, if I think I'm just going to happen by that or just kind of duly bop along in my life and just kind of happenstance on that, it's not going to happen. So he was talking about living intentionally, living an intentional life. Um, and so, I, like I said, I encourage you to go listen to it. But the reality is, is that, you know, I, I want to I climb the mountain. I want to climb the mountain that God's got before me. And I realized for myself, when he asked that question to us, he kind of asked that same question he asked kind of the whole congregation. And I realized I, I don't think I'm living by anything. I think I was just drifting and hoping, you know, I was maintaining. I guess that's why I was, anybody, any maintainers out there? I mean, I mean, I'm a maintainer. I mean, like I, I do a lot of the background stuff. I'm not uh, always up front. I'm not this, that, and the other. But sometimes you can kind of drift into you have nothing you're living by. You're just trying to maintain. You're just trying to keep everybody happy, keep everybody going, keep the train moving. And all of a sudden, you realize I'm not living by any. I'm not living by uh, the kingdom of God. I'm living by survival. And I, I don't know about you guys, I'm just, I'm just, I'm tired of just living by surviving. And when, man, he just provoked me last week to think and start living bigger, like bigger than that. Like, Mitch, don't live by the, the circumstance, live bigger than that. Live, start living uh, Jesus-directed, uh, uh, goal-directed things. So I'm, I'm in that process of, uh, of walking in that. But it's really interesting, uh, some of these verses, I mean, look at this in Galatians 5. Uh, you were running well. I want, I want to actually, I want, I want to, so you can, I didn't do PowerPoint this morning because it switched all yesterday, so I wasn't going to, I didn't have time to do all that. But I, I really wanted to actually read the first few scriptures in that Galatians passage because it's really interesting. Um, we, I think we sang it this morning. We kind of talked, or I think Robbie spoke it, that uh, Galatians 5, one, I can't, I can't turn and talk at the same time. Uh, that's why I do PowerPoint, because so, I can't turn and talk. Um, for it was freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. Don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Yeah? Don't drift back into slavery. Don't, don't walk back into the things that I was walking in. Behold, I, Paul, say to you, if you... Rest... And he starts into this conversation, because the Galatians are sitting there struggling with, am I going to go back to the old? Am I going to go back to the law? Am I going to go back to what, what, I, what we're used to? Behold, what I say to you, that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision, he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You are seeking to be justified by the law. You have what? Fallen from grace. That's, that's the drift. That's where the enemy wants to get us to, where we just fall from grace. We fall out of, of relationship. We fall out of truth. And So it's really interesting uh, for we... We, we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but what? Faith working through love. Okay? So that's what he got you up to. But now here's the next scripture. Faith, remember, faith working through what? Love. Faith working through love. Whoops. Look at the next one. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? What, how did you drift away from that of faith through love? This persuasion didn't come from him who calls you. A little what? Leaven leavens the whole loaf. And so that's, that's the hard part. 
you know, it doesn't take much to get distracted. Uh, uh, I, I have a quote. I, remember, I love this quote from uh, C.S. Lewis. Spiritual growth requires an intentional effort. Spiritual stagnation and decline require no effort at all. I mean, there's a reality that I don't, I don't really have to do anything to go backwards. I don't have to do anything. And if, you, if I'm doing it, nothing, I will drift. I will go backwards. Because uh, the winds of this life will take you somewhere. If I'm not anchored in somewhere, the winds will take me. The, the, if I'm out in the ocean, the, the, the undercurrent's going to take me somewhere. Okay? And think about this uh, verse in Hebrews 2.1 on your paper. For this reason, we pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not what? Drift away. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation not only for yourself, but what? For those that you're walking with, okay? That's why you got to pay close attention. It's, it's not only for your salvation. It's for those around you. And there's a facet that I remember, man, most, one of the most powerful points in that message last week is that he said, every, every person that's sitting in a non-empty seat, you know, you're incredibly important. You're incredibly, there's destiny in you. There's purpose. There's life in you. So and he just encourages, walk that out, like live it out. And so it's really interesting. So as, a, as the Lord um, took me, I want you to flip to Second Chronicles 24. We're going to just read that. If you have your Bible, it would probably be the easiest, but you can flip your phone as well. Today's just a getting a, the getting a Bible day. But the Lord just really showed me, he's like, he told me, he's like, just go to the kings. Look at the example of the kings. Now, obviously, you could go that with David. You go with King Solomon. I mean, oh, my gosh. And King Solomon, you know, the, probably the man of man's in relationship to wealth, knowledge, wisdom. But where did he end up at the end? Not, not so good shape. All right, David, you know, man after God's own heart. You know, the only great thing about David is that he repented. He came back to the Lord. He had a humble heart. He moved himself back in position. He had gotten because he drifted. He was supposed to be out with the kings, right? He was supposed to be out in the battle, and all of a sudden he, he found himself where? You know, looking, at, looking over at the other, next, next man's wife, you know? He just drifted, you know? You could talk about uh, all, I mean, uh, um, David, before David was Saul, you know, King Saul. I mean, he started well, didn't finish well, Okay. I want us to look at three specific, um, <laughs> I meant to get on and figure out how to say all these names, so I'm just going to butcher them, because uh, I forgot. Um, so if anybody knows how to say them, um, you don't have to embarrass me by saying them correctly. <laughs> you can tell me what they are if you know. But um, in verse chapter 24, I just want us, we're just going to look real quick through three kings that started well, but they didn't make it. And, that, and that's, that's, that's what I really want us to encourage. I want to encourage us in, in relationship to not just sitting there over-evaluating where we're at and who we are, but just the reality that, man, it, it doesn't take much. Okay? It doesn't take much. So Josh, Josh, Josh? I'm going to call him Josh. Um, Josh was seven years old, of course, when he became king. <laughs> that's awesome. Anyway, uh, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was... Zibia and yeah you know, that and Josh did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Joe uh, Jay, uh, Jay the priest I'm just gonna call him Jay because uh, I'm gonna butcher that name 
And Jay uh, took two wives and became the father of sons and daughters. Now it came about after this that Josh decided to restore the house of the Lord. Because the house of the Lord was not existent at that point. Like It needed restoration. He gathered the priests, the Levites, go out in the cities of Judah, collect money from all of Israel to repair the house of God. And you shall do it quickly. Of course, the Levites didn't, Levites didn't act quickly. But here's a guy that he, he realizes, man, the house of the Lord is not being taken care of. And back in that day, the house of the Lord is where what? It's where the presence of God. It's like where they housed the Ark of the Covenant. It's where everything was in relationship to the Lord. It's where it was, it, that was the, probably the most, one of the, should be the most important. It would be like the body of Christ. It's like the, the, the church today. You know, but, they, but back then... You know, the house of the Lord is what they need to take care of. So he goes on. It was awesome. The temple was repaired in chapter, uh, verse 8. King commanded. They made a chest, set it outside the gate. They made a proclamation in Judah and Jerusalem, bring to the Lord the, Lev- the Levi by Moses. All the officers in verse 10 of the people rejoiced, brought in their uh, levies, dropped them into the chest until they had finished. And so they started, I'm going to kind of, kind of skip down through there, but started uh, building the house. And when they had finished in verse 14, they brought the rest of the money before the king. It was made in utensils and all the stuff that they needed. So, uh, but look at verse 15. Now, when Jay reached a ripe old age, he died. He was 130 years old as his death. And they buried him in the city of David. And, and then all of a sudden, the drift happens, okay? Here's a guy that just restored the house of God. He just made everything important that was supposed to be important. Like he got, his, he got, the, he got the things right. And most of the time, if you look throughout, about all through the kings, all the kings, you know, will say, you know, did right, evil or right. You know, and sometimes they'll say they did right in the eyes of the Lord, but he did, they didn't get rid of this or they didn't do this. And, but here's a guy that, man, he just made right, the, the, he just made everything right in relationship to the house of God. But all of a sudden, the prophet dies. So all of a sudden now, he's got a choice. Where, who, who's he going to listen to? How, how am I going to you know, live this thing out? So look in verse 16 or 17. But after, that, after the death of the prophet, the officials of Judah came and bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them. Hmm. So all of a sudden we start listening to others, or we start listening to the voice of the world, or we start listening to the, the voice of man. They, they just bowed down to me. That, that kind of felt, that felt pretty good, you know. And all of a sudden, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll listen. Keep, keep giving me that attention. I'll listen. And so it's, it's amazing how real quick we can start drifting when we start listening to the voice of others. We start listening to the, the, the voice of the world. And then in verse uh, seven, and 18, and they abandoned the house of the Lord, the very thing that God just established, he just established. He was getting blessed. He was getting encouraged. He was getting built up. All of a sudden now, they just abandoned it and served the ashram, which was, you know, it's a, it was a wood goddess. I mean, it was just it was crazy. And the idols. So wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for their guilt. Yet, he, yet God sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord. Though they testified against them, they would not listen. So just as you can see on your sheet there, you know, they listened to the voice of people rather than the Lord. They exchanged the presence of God because the reality is what the house of God represented and meant to them was the presence of God. Like, we're going to live by this. They exchanged the presence of God for the world, basically. 
Uh, we'll take the ashram, we'll take the idols, we'll take whatever that looks like. We don't, we don't really stick those wooden idols in our life anymore. But there are representations of those that distract us and cause us to drift. And there's just a reality, you know. The kings that, got, that, that just took them and cut them off, cut, cut, cut them down, Joe, Joe, um, I was trying to think of that. Just, uh, not, no, it was Josiah and there was another king that did both of those. Hezekiah, they got rid of both, cut everything down, got rid of everything. They were, they were the most blessed. I mean, so there, there is a reality that they, they didn't have anything to drift. They, had, they were focused on the Lord. Um, so there's just that reality. And, you know, and the, the hard part of the result, look in verse, down in verse 25. And when they had departed from him, for they left him very sick, his own servants conspired against him because of the blood of, he, because the king killed the son of the priest, basically, and murdered him on his bed. So he died. They buried him in the city of David, but they did not, oh, sorry. That, um, now those that conspired against him were these people. So basically his own people conspired against him. He was killed. You know, here's a guy that started out well, did right in the sight of the eyes of the Lord, and then all of a sudden he was killed by his own, really, because they had to. He was basically, he had gone so, de- he was so deceived that they had to take him out, you know. But here's a guy that started well but didn't finish well. Uh, look at the next one, uh, starting verse, uh, chapter 25. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was that of Jerusalem, and he did right in the sight of the Lord. Oops, what? But not with the whole heart. Isn't that interesting? That's an interesting, that was just an interesting statement when it came up. I mean, just an interesting scripture. That you can do right in the sight of the Lord, but what? Not with a whole heart. Man, it got me. I was like, hmm, how many times have I done right in the sight of the Lord, but not with the whole heart? And that, that's the drift already. So now I'm, I'm already, he's already drifted because there's a reality that his, whole, his heart isn't the Lord's, that the whole thing isn't his. And we talk a lot about that, you know, making our heart fully his. Well, why? Because anything in that's going to cause us to drift. Uh, why did Solomon drift? Because David said, don't take wives, all these wives under yourself. And he did. You know, he drifted. He got, got caught up in all that. And so... Um, so obviously he's already drifting. He didn't have the, but he's interesting. He could do right in the sight of the Lord, yet not with his whole heart. Now it came back to uh, uh, verse three. Let's start in verse five. Moreover, Amaziah assembled Judah and appointed them according to their father's household, commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds. And Benjamin took a census from twenty years, and I'm just going to kind of fly down through here. Hired ten thousand valiant warriors out of Israel for one hundred uh, talents of silver. But then the man of God came and said, so he was doing good. He was trying to protect the kingdom, so he assembles this army. And then all of a sudden, the man of God, who came and talked to him, said, you know, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel at this point in time, any of the sons or with any of the sons of Ephraim. But if you do go, do it. Be strong for battle, yet God's not, God will bring you down before the enemy, for God has power to help him to bring down. And Amaziah said to the man of God, but what shall we do to the hundreds of talents, which I've just given the troops? Because he's just like, man, I just wasted 100, 100 talents of, or what was it, 100,000? Um, yeah, 100,000 talents. So he's like, man, well, I just spent some money on these people. Like, what, and you're asking me to just let them go? And, and, the, and, the, and the cool part about that in verse 9, look at that. 
And it says, what shall we do with the hundreds of talents that I just have given the truth? And the man of God answered, the Lord has much more to give you than this. If you'll listen to the Lord, a lot of times the things that you're trying to give up, the Lord will say, I've got, more, I've got way much more than that. Like you just wasted a whole lot of money, but I got way more in, in store for you. But a lot of times I know, <laughs> y'all know me financially, you know, I'm like financial, I'll save a buck. I mean, I'm, I'm easier to give, I'll, I can give away 300, but if I waste five, I am, I'm upset. Like, I, it's, just who I, it's just who I am. But the reality is, I mean, I'm just like, man, I don't know if I'd let all those people go. You just spend money. You spend a whole bunch of money on them. And there's 100,000 100, of them. Yeah, 100,000 of them, man. You could, that's strength right there, man. We got some, mm. But he knew that, man, if I go into battle, God's not with them. And if God's not with them, well, I have it. And let the money go. All right? So he was really walking with, I felt like he was walking with the Lord. He was hearing. He was listening. Um, but all of a sudden, here comes the drift. Look at verse 14. Now, it came about after Amaziah came from slaughtering the Edomites, so he just went down and took them out, that he brought the gods of the sons of Seir, set them up as his gods, bowed down before them, and burned incense to them. You're like, what in the world, people? Don't judge them, though. Don't judge the, don't ever judge the king, don't ever judge anybody from the Israel, because the reality is we look a lot like them. We just don't, it's just written in different words. You know, it's just a different context. It's just a different life that they're living. We live the same life, and we do the very same things. It's just not on a... We might think, are you serious? You just slaughtered the Edomites, and now you're going to bring the... You, God, I mean, you know who God is. But we know who God is, right? We know who he is. Why do we fear? Oh, why do we doubt? Ooh. Why do we take things from this world and set them up as, man, I got to have that. Well, why do we do that? Because we're, we're, we're like that, you know. And, but I believe God's called us above that. I believe it's God's because there's, there's going to be a good example here in just a second. I'll show you. Um, but look at this. Um, then the anger of the Lord burned against Amaziah, and he sent him a prophet who said, I mean, this is, this is great. When you, get these, when you get these words, please pay attention to them. Like, listen to them, hear them. You might, have, you might have had somebody come tell you this week something that you, you needed to hear. You didn't like it, but you needed to hear it. And so look at, look at this. I love it. Why have you sought the gods of the people who have not delivered their own people from their, your hand? It's like, what, what are you putting gods here? They, they couldn't even deliver those people from your hands. It's the God, this God, the only God, the only true God is the one that just delivered you. And you're, you're taking them and putting them, you're, you're bringing them back. Why? Why? You know, but we drift. We, you know, we kind of take it. And unfortunately, you know, in verse 16, you can see he didn't, he didn't really listen. He said, stop. Why should, you know, why should you be struck down? Then the prophet stopped and said, I know that God is planning to destroy you because you have done this and you have not listened to my counsel. And it's like, you got to realize God's not out to destroy. God does, you know, when, when the destruction happens, it's because God does what? this. He's like, if that's what you want, I, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't help you when you're serving other gods. That's, I will help you. I mean, you, you go listen, look, at, watch the Old Testament. And the children of Israel, they blew it time and time again, but when they turned, God was there. Boom. And it was amazing. Blessing. 
prosperity, life, when they turn, bam. You're right, well, why, do we, why do we get away from that? Because we drift. We drift. Um, let's look at one more, Uzziah. Uh, all of, in verse 20, uh, chapter 26. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old. Anybody 16 in here? I know one, I know one person is, right? That's right. Because, uh, I mean, don't look down on your youth, right? He, he's a king, 16. And made him king in the place of his father, uh, Amaziah. Uh, he built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. And Uzziah was, man, you, we're going to read some stuff, and you're going to be like, Man, the Lord was with him. And, uh, I mean, just listen to this. Um, verse 4, he did right in the sight of the Lord, according to all his father Amaziah had done. And he continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, what? God prospered him. I mean, it's, a, it's just a no-brainer. There's just a reality to that. It's just a, it's a reality. Seek the Lord. Put him first. Allow God to do works in your life, and He will. There's going to be prosper. And, you know, it might not look like what we think is prospering, uh, but it's going to be life. It's going to be life in, in relationships. It's going to be life in maybe material things, but it's going to be. It's going. To, you're going to be able to enjoy life. Um, I mean, look at this verse six. Now he went out, warred against the Philistines, broke down the wall of Gath. Uh, he built cities. Uh, verse 7, God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabians who lived in that place, and the Minuites, and the Ammonites. This is a horrible scripture, by the way, to, to get through if you're trying to stand up here and speak these. The Amorites who gave tribute to Uzziah, and his fame extended to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. Okay? There's nothing wrong with becoming very strong. God wants you to become very strong. Now, the, the problem is we're going to see here in just a second. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, the valley gate, the corner buttress, fortified them, and he built towers in the wilderness. He had many cisterns, for he had much livestock, uh, both in lowland and the plain. Plowmen, vine dressers in the hill country, he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army ready for battle, which entered combat divisions according to the number of, the muster, of their muster, prepared by Jael, the scribe, and mm-hmm, the official, under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's officers. The total number of the heads of the household, valiant warriors, was 2,600, and under their direction was an elite army of 307,000 who could wage war with great power to help the king against the enemy. Pretty strong so far, right? God's with him. He's doing right in the sight of the Lord. Moreover, Uzziah prepared for all the army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, slings, Jerusalem, he made engines of war. I mean, this is a guy that, man, God's on this guy. Engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers of the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. His fame spread afar, for he was marvelously helped mm, until he was strong. Okay? Nothing wrong about being strong. The problem is that he started taking that the strength was what? His. Oh, boy. Now the, here comes the, the drift. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. And he was unfaithful to the Lord. You're like, oh, man. He's so close. Like, here's, he's got the army. He's got the battle. He's got everything ordered right. He's got everything ready to go. And then all of a sudden, what? I, he drifted. And it doesn't take much to drift. I'm, I'm just telling you. It doesn't take much to drift. It is... It is between uh, 
man, the Lord is my strength to, no, man, I, I think I got this. I think I got this. Yeah, of course it's the Lord in me, but yeah, yeah, I got this. And all of a sudden, I get over here to, man, people are, people are coming to me. They're, they're, they're saying, my fame's throughout the land now. And I'm just telling you, it doesn't take long to drift into that. Uh, so I encourage you in that, you know, fame and success can sometimes, I think I put that right, the deception of success. You know, when you receive glory to yourself, that's a, that's, that's a drift. That's a place of drift. Um, so, uh, you know, and, the, and then verse 16, but at the end of it, uh, he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, for he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Anybody remember who's the only people that could do that? Priests. Priest. This isn't his place or his position. Okay? That's a, no, that's a no-go. Like, you don't cross over the line of priesthood. You walk into the Holy of Holies without being prepared, you're going to what? All right? So he goes in there, he starts burning incense, they come and confront him. Okay? And the tragic thing is, I mean, after this man of greatness, of fame, scattered throughout the land, you know what he's going to end up being? Separated from the house of the Lord, separated from his God. Where doing what? Sitting by himself, not able to even leave probably where he was at. Why? Because he, was a le- he became a leper. In verse, uh, what did I put there? 21. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. He lived in a separate house because, if you can, you can keep reading through there, because he went into the house of the Lord, uh, the priest confronted him. He didn't repent. He didn't get out. He kept burning incense. All of a sudden, leprosy formed on his head. Then he got out. Uh, but unfortunately, at that point, it's too late. He was a leper to the day of his death. He lived in a separate house. He was cut off from the house of the Lord, and Jotham, was, his, son was, uh, his, his son became king. Um, so the reality is that, man, once again, somebody who started well, started really well, and then right at the end, you know, drifted. And I only share those three because there's definitely one that's a better example, which is the next one, but because I, I want us to really understand, like, it doesn't take much to drift, and, and God's calling us out of the drift. I mean, that's why, we, that's why Rick spoke that last week, overcoming the drift, overcoming uh, this place that where I'm always getting tossed to and fro by the winds and waves of the world, but I don't, I don't want to. I mean, I don't want that to be my on my tombstone, drifter, <laughs> you know, got drifted, you know, whatever, you know. We can start writing those up there, you know. For him, it was a leper, you know. For the other guys, it was killed by my own people because I was so deceived. Uh, for the other one, uh, you know, just. Uh, he, I was trying to remember what, uh, he, oh, yeah, I didn't even re- read that. Uh, verse uh, in uh, 2527, I forgot to read that one. Uh, and from the time that Am- uh, Am- Amazia turned from the Lord, st- sorry, and from the time that Amazia turned away from following the Lord, they conspired against him in Jerusalem. He fled to uh, Lachish, and they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. So, I mean, it was just, even after he started turning away from the Lord, there was no peace. He was even, uh, uh, he was on the run and then death, you know. So the reality for that, I don't want that on my tombstone. I don't know about you. You know, those are things I don't want written about Mitch, you know. You know, I remember Paul, you know, uh, 
if you can hold your finger there, but you know that First Corinthians passage we read last week. I don't think I, I don't think I put it in here anywhere. Uh, I think I have it. Uh, yeah, First Corinthians nine twenty four. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Rick encouraged us run in such a way that you what come in second, third, finish. Is that what the word says? What you win. You know, and I, I had to repent. I, I think he might have led us in that repentance, but I repented either way. I'm like, I have not been running in such a way as to win. I've been running in such a way as to finish. And that's not what God calls us to. God calls us to run in such a way you're going to win. And some of us, like I said, for me, it's kind of been some disillusionment or like craziness or just uh, craziness of life or whatever that looks like. But God's called you to live this life in such a way as to win. It's got to be our goal. It's got to be who we are, right? I didn't, I didn't write it. If I wrote it, you wouldn't have to live by it. But he wrote it, right? He wrote it. Uh, do you not know, run in such a way as that you may win. Everyone who competes in the game exercises self-control, don't in relationship to drifting. They do it to receive a perishable, but an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, you know? But this is an interesting scripture. This is Paul. I discipline my body and make it my slave so that afterwards I've preached to others I might not be disqualified myself. I mean, that's Paul. I'm like, what are you, like, he's like, man, I, I don't want to drift. I don't want to drift off into the things of this world because I could, I could get disqualified. Like, I don't want that. And, you know, I, he's like, I've preached to others and seen thousands saved, hundreds. I've seen people raised from the dead, but I don't want to get disqualified. <laughs> After all that, you know, so run in such a way as to win. Run in such a way as to finish well. You know, finish well first. Right? All right, so one last person that we're going to read about. Um, that's what I need right there. Um, look at this, King Jotham, Second uh, Corinthians 27. I'm oh, sorry, Second Chronicles. We're not in the New Testament yet. All right, Second Corinthians 27. Jotham was 25. This is right after Uzziah. Years old, he became king. He reigned 16 years, and his mother's name was that. And he did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Uzziah had done. However, this is how he didn't drift, okay? These are some, these are some principles of how not to drift. However, he did not enter the temple of the Lord, okay? What did he do? His dad's the one that did that. So what did he do? He looked at their example. He's like, okay, that's probably not a great idea. That's a bad idea. <laughs> that doesn't get... That doesn't bring life, okay? That doesn't bring life. So he, he, he looked at the examples. That's why I, I showed you examples today. Because we got to look at those examples and say, oh, okay, right? Okay, I've been, maybe I've been drifting that area. Come back to the Lord. All of this is just easy, easy in relationship to repentance. Uh, the harder part's than living your life in the body, living your life in the, uh, the bride of Christ, being able to walk with one another in that so that we don't get to drifting again, right? Because by yourself, you will what? I mean, I can guarantee you, if you live by yourself, if you're not connected to the body, if you're not, if you're trying to do this life by yourself, you will drift. I mean, it's just a, it's a non, it's just a non-negotiable. God's declared, he, you can't do it on your own. You can't walk this life out on your own. But King Jotham, uh, it's really interesting. It says, but the people continue to act incorruptly. That's interesting, you know. A lot of times when people act corruptly, we just end up what? Drifting with them, acting with them. 
You know, it's amazing how he just stood. He stood his ground, and look at what he did. Okay, people were acting corruptly, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build up the upper gate of the house of the Lord. I'm going to build extensively the wall of Ophel. Moreover, I'm going to build cities in the hill country of Judah and built for fortresses and towers. He fought also with the king of the Amorites and prevailed over them. So the Amorites gave, gave him during that year 100 talents of silver. Silver. It's interesting that he got that back. That's kind of an interesting statement. He got back from that, those people what he had given the, what the other king had given to, to the Israel. Um, the, Amor- the Ammonites also paid him this amount in the second and in the third year. There you go. I mean, the reality is God, God's got more. If, if you'll just wait for him, walk with him. Now the rest of the, uh, sorry. So Jotham became mighty because he what? Ordered his ways before the Lord. And so it's just fascinated that Jotham, he did, he did something different. Number one, he, also, he, he, he didn't make the same mistakes because he watched them and he said, no, that, that's not going to cut it. I can't live that way. Okay? I need to live this way. All right? And uh, the reality for, for him is he, or, he started ordering his way before the Lord. And the Lord prospered him. The Lord took him to that place. And so, like I said, not to mention, not to mention King, we already, I mentioned him, Saul, David, Solomon, and so on. You could go through almost every king. Almost every king had moments of drifting. All right? There's only a few that made it back to the Lord. David made it back to the Lord. Jotham made it, made it through. But... I mean, there was very few, so that doesn't, you know, as far as percentage-wise, that doesn't make me feel good. But the reality is, with God, I mean, you ever, you ever realize in the Old, Old Testament, almost no army won that had the bigger army? You know who won? Well, the people that the Lord's side was on, <laughs> you know? Jericho fell, why? Because they had great army? No, because they did what they were supposed to do. They walked in obedience to the Lord. It fell. You know, but then the next, the next one, they didn't, you know, the, the Israel took something under the ban. They went up against Ai, who was, they, only, they were like, man, this is a little country. Just take a, few, take a few thousand people, go up there and conquer it, right after Jericho. I mean, can you imagine taking Jericho down and all of a sudden, ah, we got this, this little country, we can take them. Well, they got their rear kicked, right? They came back down going, what do we do? You know, well, they didn't order their way. They took something from the ban. You know, they put it in their tent. They hid it. You know, that's, but we, you know, we can do that, right? So the, the Lord's just calling us out of that. So I, I have some action steps just to end this real quick. Uh, I want to encourage you. I'm going to read just these script, down through these scriptures. I'm not going to take a long time. But I, these are some action steps I just felt like the Lord just said, you need, we need to take. Because there's one thing to hear the examples of the Lord, hear the examples of the kings, listen to them. But how, does that, how do I apply that out? All right, and I felt like the Lord said, you know, we need to do three things so we don't drift. Yeah. Three things. First one was to remember, to recall. Uh, this 1 Corinthians, I think I wrote these all down, so I don't, I don't know if she'll have them up there, but uh, these 1 Corinthians, get through all these. Uh, now these things happened to them as an example, and that's why we read them. And they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall, because no temptation has overcome you, but as such is common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with that temptation will provide a way of escape 
so that you will be able to endure it. You will be able to not drift. You know, God's, God's faithful. I mean, you just turn, listen. So I love Robbie, just took a second this morning and said, listen, right? I mean, is that uncomfortable for a lot of us? Because <laughs> sometimes it is for me. All of a sudden, he's like, listen. <gasps> oh, shoot. I, got, I mean, uh, yeah, okay, I'm listening. But it's amazing what the Lord just spoke to me personally, if, you just, if we take time to listen. So when that temptation comes, what do I need to do? I better be listening somewhere else other than following what I want to do, walking in that. Because God provides the way out every time. I am 100% positive that. 100% of the time, you can have a way out of wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. God will make a way, but you, we have to listen. Um, Therefore, beloved, flee from idolatry. You know, that's what got most of the kings, right? You know, they would just take idols unto themselves. They would take it. Uh, this Mark 8, 16 through 21, that's an interesting one in relationship to remember or recall. I love this. You know, of course, we don't even have time to go there, but you remember that all the... Uh, Jesus fed the 5,000. Jesus fed the 4,000. I mean, he, just, he like fed two big groups of people, like back to back, all right? And so then they get, he gets into a boat, and they get in a boat, okay? And this is where we're at, okay? They just fed 5,000, just fed 4,000, probably more than that, even with the women and children. Um, but that, they just said the men in that. But it says, leaving them, he, Jesus, embarked and went away to the other side. <laughs> and the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Now, Remember, what did Jesus just do? He just multiplied bread to 5,000, 4,000, right? Okay. <laughs> and uh, so they had forgotten to take bread and, and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. Okay, one loaf with Jesus? I mean, that's pretty good odds right there. I mean, to me, I mean, he just made, what, five loaves and two fishes just multiplied to all those? And he was giving orders to them, saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Remember the leaven? Just takes a little bit to what? Leaven the whole loaf. And it says, they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, <laughs> I can just imagine Jesus sometimes going, are you serious? Really? We're going to have this discussion right here? You have what? You have a loaf? <sighs> It says, why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes do you not see? Having ears do you not hear? And do you not, what, remember? Like some of us just need to remember what the Lord has done. Some of us have gotten so focused on what the Lord hasn't done or maybe what we thought he should have done or instead of, man, what the Lord has done to bring me out of the miry pit, you know, and it says, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000 and many ba how many baskets were picked up? Of course, they said, oh, yeah, forgot, 12. When I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets were full of broken pieces? Oh, yeah, seven. And he was saying to them, do you not yet understand? Well, the reality was it's just they had drifted. They, keep, they drifted back to what they, ought, and they knew. See, we got, you can't drift back to what you know can't drift back to what your circumstances look like. Because the reality is, God can come through, and then I'll be, I can be in the same circumstance and be just where, where the disciples were and go, well, how, God, are you going to do this? Well you, well, you just did that, so God can do this. You know, they had one loaf. And I believe God would have multiplied it had they just said, oh, yeah, we got one loaf. Hey, Jesus, will you bless this? Because if you bless this, it'll be plenty for everybody. Instead, they're like, man, we don't have enough. 
all right? The Lamentations, surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have what? Hope, the Lord's loving kindness never ceases. You got to remember that every morning. His compassions, they never fail. They're new every morning. The Lord is my portion, therefore I have hope in him. Okay, so recall, remember. All right, the second is just take hold of. I'll just I'll read three scriptures that this God just highlighted me. Flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, pursue faith, love, perseverance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life that you were, which you were called. And some of, like I said, for me, I haven't been taking hold. I've just been maintaining. Taking hold is a whole action. That's intentional. That's being intentional. So take hold of that which is life uh, indeed to the, the eternal life. Uh, this First Timothy 6, 17, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches but on God who richly supplies us with what? All things to enjoy. Instruct them to, be, to do good, be rich in works, be generous. That's how you dr- don't drift. You want to not drift? Well, good, be rich in good works, be generous, be ready to share. Store up yourselves the treasure of a good foundation so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. You know, these guys are taking hold of that which is with life. You know, we're taking, sometimes we take hold of that which is, we know is death, but we're taking hold of it anyway. You know, the, take hold of that which is life. Hebrews 6, by two unchangeable things, it's impossible for God to lie. He who is take refuge, have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. The hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast. So take hold. There's some things that God wants you to take hold of. Maybe you let go of. You know, maybe you've been, you believed for a while, and then now I've just let them go. I encourage you to take hold of some things back today. Uh, and the third thing, take care of the little foxes. You remember that song of Solomon 2.15, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that are what? Ruining the vineyards, not when they're fruitful, but when they're in what? They're in blossom. That's interesting. The little foxes that are ruining the vineyards while our vineyards, vineyards are in blossom. What happens if you take the blossoms off of the the vine? What happens? No fruit, fruit, right? So the foxes aren't worried about your fruit. All they're worried about is stealing and allowing you to drift before you get to the fruit, right? There's a reality to that. God wants to, to bring this place of you taking care of the little foxes. I don't know what those little foxes are in your life. I know some little foxes I want to make sure I take care of my own life, but but if you need help with that this morning, we can take care of some foxes. We can go on a little fox hunt and take some out this morning, <laughs> right? I'll send some dogs after them, and we, we, we can pray for you. But I believe that God wants us to take care of the little foxes. Uh, you know, it's so funny. I, was, I, was, I remember this Amanda Cooper would be but funny. One of, the, one of the most things I remember most about, uh, I, was trying, I don't remember who spoke it, but I remember this uh, sermon, but it was like... Uh, you know, kill the spider. You know, you ever get a spider up in the thing and you kind of just keep taking the web down? You just keep taking the web down and you just keep taking the web down? Do you ever get tired of taking the web down? Then what do you have to do? Kill the stinking spider, right? You know, you can't, you can't expect to, you know, the, 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 it not to go back up if you don't take care of the fox, the spider, the thing that's creating it. And then Galatians 5, we just read that. 
uh, earlier. You are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from, it, from he who, him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so that's what I really want to encourage you this morning. I, I just feel like God's going to empower us to recall and to remember today. I really believe he's going to empower us to be intentional uh, in relationship to taking hold of things, like taking back. I mean, you know, wherever I've been, maybe you've been with the Lord 100%. Maybe you've been out drifting out in the boondocks of wherever. God wants to to speak to you this morning and and declare that. And so I'm going to get Robbie just to play, and I'm just going to, if we can just, you, you have anything for us? You want to speak it? Oh, I see. Um, There is a word to pray for healing for wrists, especially the left wrist. So somebody got a word in relationship to healing this morning. So definitely want to, if that's you this morning, um, I don't think Kevin just left. So Tulia will pray for you up here. Uh, I think Kevin's going to get kids. So um, so let's just stand. I'm just going to pray that over us. If we got any of the teams that can come up and, and help, uh, pray, that would be great. Recognizing the drift. Lord, I just, I pray in Jesus' name that today, or there's just going to be revelation for some of us, some of us that, uh, for, I just believe all of us, really. I know for me, I, as I'm preparing this message, it's always fun to prepare messages that you have to repent for before you get to the message. And so, Lord, I, I just re- I repent for, for not recognizing how I've been drifting, how I've been drifted into this place of, of maintaining and how to, and just kind of plugging along and trying to, you know, hope that, hope that I land somewhere, somewhere down the line and hope that it looks good, God. And I, forgive me for that, God. Forgive me as a leader in this church for, for doing that. And, God, I want to live intentional. I want to live, Lord, uh, just not, not just with goals because sometimes goals can become a God in our lives. Goals can be... The, become the end all. God, Lord, you're the end all. God, you are what I live for. You are what we live for. Well, God, I, I forgive us for not having intentional, uh, intentional set apart uh, vision because, Lord, without vision, my people cast off restraint. And so, Lord, we just, I just want to pray right now in Jesus' name that for each of us that we begin to recognize the, the drift, that we would recognize when we're Lord, when we've gone out in the middle of the ocean and now we're down by the pier, God, Lord, empower us to know, God, what the undercurrent is, what the things that are taking us that place. And so, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name for each of us, God. I want to pray those three, the three things, Lord, the action steps today, God. I just pray, God, I know I don't want those things to be written on my tombstone. I don't want to be start well and not finish well. And I know no one in this place wants to start well and not finish well. So, Lord, this prayer is for everybody that in the name of Jesus, God, that we would remember, God, that we would recall to mind. We would recall to mind your faithfulness. We recall to mind your, your goodness and your, your compassions that never fail. God, I just pray right now in Jesus' name, some of us just need to remember. Some of us need to recall to mind. And, and I just pray that over us now. Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name, for those that need to be intentional, that, Lord, some of us that, like myself, that we just hadn't been intentional about taking hold of that which is life indeed, that we haven't been taking hold of hope that's set before us. God, I pray right now, God, you would strengthen our arms, strengthen our, 
our, our minds and our hearts to reach out again and to, to reach for those things, God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And Father, I just pray also for, that you would just begin to take care of the little foxes. God, there's foxes that have been taking our, the blossoms that before the fruit can even come up. Some of us have been so frustrated. Some of us have even been saying, God, why have you forsaken me? Because I've been, I've been going at this and I've been wanting to see fruit in my life and and if we really evaluate it, it's the, the foxes have been stealing the blossoms before the fruit can come forth. So, Father, I pray today, God, in Jesus' name, that those foxes fall, Lord, that that hunt is, is on, and, and you're going to find those foxes. You're going to kill them, take them out for us, God, the spiders of our life. You're going to take them out so that we don't have to keep cleaning up sp- spider webs and cobwebs of, of life. So, Lord, I just pray that over us in Jesus' name this morning, and I thank you for that. I'm just going to encourage you, if this, this morning you want somebody to agree with you in those three areas, if you want, to, if you want agreement in relationship to a risk, uh, come over here and get some prayer. But I'm going to release you, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to make this last prayer. Uh, Father, I just also pray that anybody in here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, I just want to take this moment to say, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of life for you to come and find me, come find anybody up here, uh, uh, the ladies and guys up here, and, and make this day a day of salvation. Make this day a day that where you say, I'm, I'm tired of the many foxes because I don't even know you to get rid of them, God. I don't even know you to, to be able to pursue you. And so, Father, I pray today the day of salvation would come. And if that's you, I just want you to find one of us and say, that Mitch just prayed for me, and I need prayer. I need salvation this morning. So, Lord, I thank you for that this morning. I just declare life over this body. I just thank you. I just thank you that God... Once again, I just come back to that, God. You overcame the grave, God. Death could not hold you down. God, whatever is going on in our life, God, you're bigger. Whatever circumstances before us, you're bigger. God, whatever is before us, God, uh, you are life. Take hold of that life. And Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So you're dismissed.